Make sure to give my dad a five-star review. Get, make sure to like and subscribe to his YouTube. And thank you for listening and enjoy the show. show. <laughs> Now, in this case of Bill Cosby, it's unfortunate for, and this rabbi from Edmonston, Illinois, who gave the prayer, is an ultra-Orthodox, ultra-religious uh, rabbi, and he, he was just the purest. He, Bill Cosby spoke, I think, in Northwestern, I believe, University, and gave the commencement. He gave a great commencement speech, and Bill Cosby gave great commencement speeches, and this rabbi was struck by it and related. So the purest of intentions... Um, but now it now it just it's, it really stands out, and it just shows if you you know prayers that stick to God have a longer shelf life. Hey, welcome, faithful politics listeners and viewers. Um, I am your political host, Will Wright. I'm joined by Josh Bertram, who has just returned from Mar-a-Lago, um, plotting Trump's triumphant return in August of this year. Um, How do so. You this this uh this week we have a special guest Howard Mort Mortman I'm sorry uh who is the communications director for C-SPAN um he's done a whole bunch of other stuff for like MSNBC and and other networks but um he's here this week to talk to us about his book When Rabbis Bless Congress The Great American Story of Jewish Prayers on Capitol Hill and we just want to welcome you hey thanks for being here Howard Thank you. I'm thrilled. I appreciate it. What and I will tell you what a fabulous idea for a podcast too. There's so many podcasts, and but in my my efforts to promote my book, I haven't run across what you guys are doing before. So I I salute you all for uh, for doing this. It's really amazing what you you pulled off here. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, thank you for that. I mean, it, we 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 started the podcast in hopes that you know, like a Trump voter and a Democrat could get along. You know, and. Uh, I, I'm not quite sure if we've reached that yet, but we're we're trying. It's a work in progress, you know. <laughs> so, so, so yeah. So you you work for um, C-SPAN. Uh, how, how long have you been with C-SPAN for? Sure, I've been, I started with C-SPAN in early 2009. So about um, what's that? About 12 years, roughly. Uh, I am the um, uh, uh, communications director uh, for C-SPAN, and what that means uh, essentially is I'm the the PR guy uh, for C-SPAN. Um, I work with reporters. Um, I work so the social social media channels come through my shop. So it's basically all the the outward messaging and information about C-SPAN um, is what I handle. Um, I will say it's actually C-SPAN just very quickly. Um, even though we've been around forty years, it, it, we are the network that covers Congress, covers political events but not in our own voice, only in the voice of the people we show. Uh, there's no editorializing. We don't shape the narrative. We just show people flat out what their politicians are saying in Congress, on the campaign trail, in the White House. And we leave it up to the audience to make up their own mind of what they like, what they don't like. So even though we don't have our own opinions, we are a network full of attitude. And that's the attitude of the people we cover, of our listeners and our audience and so on. So uh, we are a cable um, a programmer, uh, no government money. Uh, there's zero government money involved in any of this. This is all privately funded, uh, created by the cable industry. We are a nonprofit, um, and we are, we, so we have no advertising, no ratings. So it's just flat out 24 hours of showing people uh, their Congress, their government uh, through the Congress and on the campaign trail and so on. Hmm. That's a, what, is, what does C-SPAN stand for? I feel like I should sure. know this. No, no, it, it's a forty-year-old acronym. It's okay. It's, <laughs> it, it, 
it's kind of an archaic term now. It stands for Cable Satellite Public Affairs Network. Um, so hmm. cable satellite, because we were transmitted back in the old days, is actually it was wow, you are a satellite. Now it's you know, <laughs> like you know, as in everybody, uh, except for this podcast, obviously. But, uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so we've been around, and again, uh, no government money, all privately funded. And so what I do is I work with reporters to help tell the C-SPAN story, to help get our video in front of reporters, to help uh, shape the, uh, maintain our relevance and our reputation uh, in the media. I don't touch the programming side, but my job is to promote what we are showing on the programming side. Yeah, that, that that's interesting. I, I, I remember, like, C-SPAN has played actually a pretty critical role in my life, like, not, not not just because like I follow politics closely and I and I watch it a lot, but it's because I watch it a lot that it's it's been a pivotal like like marker in my life. And because uh, I remember that there's been a, a, a few key um, markers in my life that made me feel like I'm getting older. Um, I, I think the the first one was when I started to get appalled by the way teenagers are acting. <laughs> that, that was like the first marker. The second one was when I started to to just watch C-SPAN because like I liked it. <laughs> and and I was like, "Oh man, like I I'm really actually enjoying just watching C-SPAN, you know, and and I'm not like under duress to do so." <laughs> so. I, I love that. Let me let me one quick point of I that's actually really not just great what you said, but really important. Um and in the in the big big picture, we're not for everybody. You know, I mm-hmm. I don't spend my day trying to convince people you have to watch our four-hour hearings every day, and like that just—it's <laughs> not going to happen. But, but what I do, what we are here for, is that niche. Both of you, that sliver of the American people, who really do want to engage seriously in our country and the future of our country, who want to know how we became a country that's twenty trillion dollars in debt. You know, just how politicians spend your money. Basically, mm-hmm. they want to watch the hearings. They want to watch politicians spend your money. Um, so, for that sliver, that narrow group of Americans, we're here for you. The people who take this seriously, who take government and politics seriously. Um, so yeah, like I face it all the time, boring, you know, I've seen all the ambient <laughs> jokes, like it like nonstop and all that. <laughs> and that's fine. You know, we're not, you know, we, you know, there are other networks um, and they're after the ratings. That's I'm a capitalist. That's fine. Go after the money after the advertising, but we are here strictly to provide gavel to gavel nonstop, Unnarrated, uneditorialized coverage of, of government. So, for both of you, you know, who like that, that's wonderful. If you don't like that, that's cool too. Go somewhere else. <laughs> I don't care. Go to the Weather Channel, whatever you want. But there, we are here for that group of people. Yeah, that's awesome. So, so let's let's talk about your book. Um, when rabbis bless Congress, um, it's it's a. <laughs> It's more of a history book. It seems like it seems, yeah. <laughs> and and and, uh, and we'll, we'll we'll dig into the weeds a little bit, but but why 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 did you write the book? It's a great question. You, this may not shock you. There's not much of a market uh, in the book industry for a story about allies <laughs> in Congress. But this may be a shock <laughs> to the audience. But this is not you know the Tom Clancy you know level. Uh, <laughs> so the the book. So here's the deal. The book is an outgrowth of me working for C-SPAN and watching Congress all day long, like all in my office and even at home, I have a house and the Senate on all day long, better <laughs> for work. You know, I'll let, let the audience, figure out. that's a, a good way yeah. to spend my time, but that's the job. So, so here's the, so I've always, one of the, the first, very first thing, and this is just straight history and 
there's no editorial here. The first thing Congress does in every single session is pray. They, the first thing they do is have a prayer. They do that even before they do the Pledge of Allegiance. That's they come so interesting. In, yeah, they come in, they have a chaplain, give a prayer, then they do the pledge, and then they take roll, then they, then they approve the journal, then they start voting and debating. First thing they do is prayer. So just as an intellectual curiosity, not as a religious thing, just like as a watcher of Congress, I was just, just fascinated by this, just disgusted. Right. Now, every so so here's what happens. Every so often, we can, we'll get into all the weeds on this. Every so often, the official chaplain, he or she now, uh, the House says a well, female official chaplain, is not there to give the prayer. And when that happens, they have a guest chaplain. And we'll get into all this later on, why that happens. So that interested me even more. Who are these guest chaplains? All sorts of ministers and reverends and imams, uh, different religions represented. Now, that happens rarely. On even the rarer occasions than that, the slivers of the sliver, there's a rabbi who does the opening prayer. And that's where my story begins. I'm Jewish. And so just historically, just being Jewish, when a rabbi gives a prayer, I, my antenna are even more. I'm just even more fascinated by that. <laughs> right. so, so that's the dynamic. I mean, that's the background to all this is why Congress as a whole prays. And then for me, being Jewish, being even more interested in the rabbis. And we can get into all, all the parts of this. Whatever. Yeah. Howard, where did you grow up? Yeah. Well, it's made us surprise. I grew up in the Washington, D.C. area. Uh, so I'm a lifelong Washingtonian political junkie to the highest degree, uh, immediate junkie. <laughs> University of Maryland. I'm actually, I'm right. in my home right now in uh, Northern Virginia. So this is straightforward, straight inside the Beltway geek, geekiness right here. <laughs> what, where, um, where in Northern Virginia, um, uh, you, I mean, you don't have to say exactly where you live, but where, is it like Fairfax County or anything? Yeah, in the Fairfax County area. Uh, roughly. Yeah, so uh, I, I went to Chantilly High School. No kidding. I, I know it very well. I'm, I'm not, that, I won't disclose it, but I, I, I'm not that sure. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, I I grew up right around there, man. It was uh, it was it was it was a lot of fun, and didn't even understand like where I lived until I left it. I had no idea the significance of where I lived until I left the area. So, so I grew up. I actually went to high school in Prince George's County. Um, in I was L- born L- in Prince George's County. No kidding, really? Yeah, I was. <laughs> I, I I was born. I I grew up in Marlow Heights, Hooker's Heights area in Oxon Hill. And then I lived, I moved up to Greenbelt. Um, I was in um, Chevrolet. I know Chevrolet very well. Absolutely. I know Chevrolet. <laughs> and Bowie. Yeah. And Bowie. Those are the two places that we're in. Bowie was a smarter high school than ours. We were a dumber high school. <laughs> Bowie was a smarter high school. <laughs> That's oh, yes. Yeah. That's just interesting. Well, the thing is, it's I, actually, I love that because even if you live in Washington, it doesn't necessarily mean that you work for the government or that you love the politics. I mean, you can have a real life outside of all this, um, you know, so it's just, you know, it's uh, it's it, it helps, but it's not important. It's not critical to be part of the political media, you know, industry of Washington to be into this. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think I think one of the things that I found um, interesting kind of to your earlier point about, you know, all the sessions start with a prayer is that like just early in your introduction, you 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 mentioned, you know, how it's like the the prayers is like the least offensive thing <laughs> that, that occurs after that. And it seems to be like the one thing that doesn't necessarily get politicized. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious on, on what, like, 
like why why you think that that occurs and and is that just you need to just when rabbis pray i that's such a great question and, and there's there's a that i love that because there's a lot of history that's wrapped up to a lot of customs so the short answer is um it it is you know when when anybody prays when any chaplain not just rabbis prays the purpose is really to connect the congress the audience with god it is it's messaging above it's not messaging lateral it's not they they don't tell them how to vote you know they are not part of the legislative process they're not there to lobby uh or, or support or oppose legislation stay away from current events this is really to connect um, the audience, the, the you know the Congress with with God, basically the Almighty, in, in just the roughest sense here, um, doesn't always happen. There are times when the chaplain, he or she, if not gets political, but at least they reflect what's happening. You know, there are times that there are massive votes going on uh, in Congress. You know, just unavoidable big topics. And we're talking topics like going to war. You know, uh, mm-hmm. fighting, you know, with each other. I'm just like, like unavoidable things that are looming over at that point. Sometimes the prayers do reflect those moments. Again, not telling them how to vote, but just understanding they're talking about immigration. They're talking about civil rights bills, uh, the greatest debates of our time. Um, mm-hmm. But it's not their role to be part of that debate. So this has got nothing to do with the rabbis, or even the guest chaplains. This is just in all with the prayer. Um, it's just mess. It's connecting. Now, um, it's also it looks like nothing else that happens during the day because they're not debating because it's straightforward messaging. Now, one important thing: the chamber may or may not be full, uh, or there may or may not be people in the audience in, in in the chambers when they are offering the prayer. Typically, there are not. Um, I've had as a result of this project, I've come across pastors, non-Jews, uh, Christians who have told me one guy who has done this prayer repeatedly, I guess chaplain, he's a pastor in a church in, in Texas, told me he doesn't care if the chamber is empty. You know, he is talking to the people watching C-SPAN. He's talking to everybody beyond. He wants the people watching the archived video uh, and hearing these prayers. So in the roughest sense, um, it's, wow. kind of, it's, yeah, it's, 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 we are the only ones who really broadcast a prayer nationally every day. You know, by virtue of us showing Congress, there's no way anybody else showing a nationally broadcast prayer. Uh, so, so for just for me, just as an as an academic exercise, all that's really interesting. Now, to go really narrow, really quickly into my world of the book of the rabbis, they same thing. They don't get involved in the politics of a fight uh, of of legislation. Guest chaplains, as a whole, are given instructions on what they can and cannot say or do. Uh, not as rules, but just as guidelines, and they are urged in those guidelines. Every guest chaplain, regardless of religion, not to touch politics, not to get involved in pending mm. legislation. Mm. So, so, so the 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 rules for for praying, like, is that is that codified somewhere, like both in both chambers? There are yes, it, it, roughly not by statute, not by law, but by practice, by custom, by rules, guidelines. That so the structure is. There are two official chaplains. There's an official chaplain of the House of Representatives, official chaplain of the Senate. Both are taxpayer paid positions. Both have staff paid for by the taxpayers. Um, and that's and, and this whole structure has been challenged in courts um, uh, on the church state grounds. But but yes, uh, they both issue guidelines. Both official chaplains 
adhere to these general principles of what you can and cannot say, such as length. You know, they have roughly, they're typically a minute and a half or two minutes. They're, you know, a couple hundred words tops. Um, there's no foreign language spoken uh, in these prayers. That's part of the guidelines. But the biggest one of all is typically just don't get involved in politics. Now, they do touch on what's happening in the world. There was over 100 prayers last year that mentioned COVID, that mentioned coronavirus, mm-hmm. of the sense that we need, as a country, we need to solve this, you know, just like aspirational kind of messaging. So it touches, um, the current chaplain gave a great uh, prayer, uh, July 1st, uh, time for Independence Day of, uh, of uh, coming together as, as a nation, liberty, quoting from um, Leviticus 2510, uh, proclaiming uh, uh, liberty throughout the land, all the inhabitants thereof, which is on the Liberty Bell. So just like big, broad themes are brought into the prayers. Um, but, but again, not saying how they sh- people should uh, be identified politically. Mm. And so, so how do you, so your, your, your book is like just a collection of all these prayers, which, which it was really just fascinating. Just kind of read them. <laughs> and uh, like, how, how did you get all of these? Like, is it, is, are the prayers a part of the like congressional record or, you know, were there, like, are there any prayers in here missing that you had a hard time <laughs> getting? Uh, like, what's that process? I love that. Do you mind if we go into the weeds for a second? I love. Yeah, please do. Yeah. All right. Here's the weeds. So first of all, no book, like, no one's ever done this before. People have argued, church, state, people have argued about whether Congress should be praying. Um, and for me, I don't care about that argument. For me, I don't come down. It's not coming down for or against the practice itself. It's a recognition that it does exist and that Congress has prayed from the very first day of Congress. They've had a prayer. In fact, the Continental Congress, first thing they did was appoint, uh, select a a chaplain and have a prayer. So just as a historical fact, this goes back from the very beginning. So for any, for me to say, or for anybody to say, well, I want to ignore this history because I don't think, uh, we, I don't think Congress should be doing this. It's a legitimate argument, and I'm not here to argue whether they should be doing it. I'm here to say, well, if you take that stance, in this case, you are ignoring over 400 rabbis who have prayed and, and thousands of prayers that have been given. So this is really an excavation of the historical record uh, of that. Now, so let's talk. Let's get in the weeds for a second because I love this. Um, so uh, the short answer is I went through every single prayer ever given in Congress. Uh, and my uh, so it's, it's a lot of prayers. So. And I'm trying to find That's a lot of prayers, man. So, and my goal was to find rabbis. Uh, Did and, you feel closer, like to the divine and the transcendent? Yeah, reading I, all I, those I, prayers, right? I felt closer to my shrink, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, but uh, no. That, well, I I did. The answer is I mean, actually you have yeah. an effect on you. Yeah, <laughs> it, it it had an historical effect. I learned a lot about both my own heritage, my own Jewish tradition, and a lot of teachings in scripture, I didn't know. And it gave me great respect for other religions, too. The predominant number, uh, you know, obviously are Christian, but but some of the language they use, I was unaware of. And it just, the whole exercise, just as an intellectual exercise, being exposed to diversity of religious thought, fast, totally fascinating. And I, I wouldn't have traded it for the world that experience. Um, my two big sources were uh, the congressional record, and the um, and the C-SPAN video, uh, our video, our archives go back to when we began, basically. So mm-hmm. that gave me 
a visual record of what the rabbi said. It allowed me to do certain things such as um, seeing what they wore, if they wore a yarmulke, uh, if they wore the talis, the prayer shawl. You know, the visual record is very important. And this applies to, you know, the non-Jewish clergy members as well. Um, every prayer is in the congressional record. Now, here's the deal. When I started this project, the congressional record was not available um, going backwards. It's available to everybody now going forwards. But I was fortunate when I began this a couple years into the project, the Library of Congress began putting all the congressional records online and searchable going backwards in time. So the 1960s appeared and the 1950s appeared decade by decade and uh, 1940s over a course of about two years. So I went through and I, I went through and just looked at all the prayers and found rabbis, created a Google sheet, a Google Excel sheet, where I listed their names, their synagogues, who sponsored them, male or female, was their sponsor a male or female, uh, what they talked about. Uh, do they mention um, uh, passages from, from the Bible? Do they mention American figures um, all the way across? And just created this Excel spreadsheet of these over 434 rabbis who have prayed over 634 times. By the way, the difference in the numbers, 434 rabbis, 634 prayers. Why are the numbers different? Because about 100 or so rabbis prayed two or more times. So we have multiple appearances by rabbis. Mm. That accounts for the difference in the numbers there. Um, so anyways, so I created this. Now, it's, while I was doing this, it always, I never came across anybody who had tackled this before. So it was, it's both thrilling and frightening. Um, the thrilling part is creating this n- narrow alley of history as a passion project that nobody's ever done before. The frightening, daunting part was I have to get it right. I mean, there's no way to fact check this, you know, against somebody else's work because I'm creating the work itself. So, you know, just triple fact checking, spelling, all that stuff. Um, and wow. ended up two big, two big buckets, you know, who they are and what they said. And that's kind of where I went in the book, just the historical record of who all the rabbis were that prayed and then what they, what their messages were in their prayers. That's so awesome. Um, you know, when, when you're talking, I was thinking that's an, an enormous amount of information, like big data to the max, you know, like, uh, <laughs> it was an enormous amount of information. And, and one thing I'm curious about um, like how did the prayers, this is going to sound kind of funny, but how did the prayers, um, shift when Trump was in office? If that makes that, sense. That's a really good shift. <laughs> um, like, 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 I guess what I mean is like, did they, did they like, did people get more political? Do you think? Or become during, more desperate? <laughs> maybe or some, or, or did, yeah do they become darker or do they become lighter you know like what, what you know how, i'm just curious about this like with trump and the relationship of trump to c-span where you're talking about like you know um how oh I'm, I'm i'm kind of i'm drawing a blank for some reason but it was basically how people in congress they are like um you know they're listening to these prayers and and, and and it's actually like interceding to God for these, you know, for the Congress itself. And it's like, I wonder how like that connection with God that they're trying to like, how, how did that change in the wording when Trump was in office in particular? Or or was there a difference? Josh, first, let me celebrate that question. Uh, I've never encountered that question before. And I it's a brilliant, love it question. And I'm actually... <laughs> 
thinking out loud here. Um, so historically, Congress has always been battling, always been acrimony. And prayers have, in more recent times, going meaning 10, 15 years, reflected that. And the chaplains have urged the coming together of the stop the fighting. Um, so if they, um, I'm going to speak in generalizations here. If there is added anger from the last four years that wasn't necessarily reflected in the prayers because there's been anger in Congress for a long time. So I don't think it was amped up anymore uh, for the last four years. Um, clearly, though, there's been more red flags. There's been more you know, hot-button issues that have divided Congress maybe more in recent years than in the past. And so the messaging has more, there's been more messaging by coming together and, you know, and listening to each other. Um, but it's not that it's brand new kind of language. It may be just the, the quantity of it might have increased. Um, um, the president himself, Trump, was mentioned, in, in, uh, going to the rabbis, only two rabbis mentioned President Trump um, in the four years. And that's only because typically they reckon they thank everybody in government, the vice president, the president, the speaker. So it's more like an honorific. It wasn't a, a support of him. Um, I don't think President Biden has yet to be mentioned by anybody in one of these prayers. Um, I will tell you that even though it's not a Trump thing, uh, one of the most amazing prayers I came across in very recent times was after January 6th when Congress reconvened after what happened on the Hill and then Congress came back and had a complete, still had a complete its official duties. And the Senate chaplain, Barry Black, even though the official duties were in the House chamber, Barry Black, the Senate chamber, the Senate chaplain, came in and gave the prayer. And it was extemporaneous. It was three minutes. And it was off the charts amazing of his just – I mean, you have to I – mean, you guys remember this, the emotion of that day. And yeah. he just composed this amazing collection of just how we as a country move forward. Um, that clearly reflected what had just happened in Congress itself. Uh, it was an amazing feat, uh, amazing prayer. Um, so that, you know, again, reflective of the times. That, that's an, that, that's, that is kind of an interesting question, though, Josh. I wonder, I wonder, like, if you were to do, like, a word cloud, you know, like, per administration, <laughs> like, like what, what word would come up more frequently in the four-year time span yeah, for, for, like... Each, each of the prayers or so. Well, I, I, I will tell you, I actually, I can somewhat answer, I can kind of answer that for my project. If you, I, um, I looked at, this is a very narrow part of that answer, but um, taking the word cloud, uh, um, you know, lead here. Um, if I, I looked at who, what prophets or scripture was mentioned most in the rabbi prayers and Isaiah had the most number of mentions from the very beginning, uh, I forget that, but it was like maybe it was like seventy or eighty times Isaiah was mentioned, um, uh, and and not just by rabbis, but by non-Jewish clergy members quoted Isaiah. Another popular citation is Micah, um, the, the walk humbly with your. Uh, 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 I'll defer to you. How's it go? Live justly, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. Uh, Chaplain Black cites that a lot. Um, so. 
the the um the I think it's Isaiah two four the turning uh, plowshares into pruning hooks uh, line is used a lot particularly during wartime I, and Micah so the you know and both again it's not it, it's not a Jewish only thing it's it's both sides use that so you know I don't know about like not like more general non biblical terms but in terms of scripture uh, those are used those prophets are cited the most of anybody. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, Josh Bertram here, faithful host of the Faithful Politics Podcast. I want to let you know about a compelling new spinoff, the Faith Roundtable, where I'll be interviewing top faith leaders, theologians, and scholars to unpack the pressing issues that are shaping the church in America today. We'll dive into topics like faith and public life, social justice, and how we can engage our communities more effectively. Make sure you don't miss any of our enlightening conversations by subscribing to it on our YouTube channel. Join me at the Faith Roundtable, where deep discussion meets thoughtful insight. That's interesting. Uh, you know, one one um, thing that I I kind of laughed at a little bit when I was reading your 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 book was um, um, the the mention of Bill Cosby. Um, kind of in light of of everything that's happened recently, we don't necessarily have to get into the weeds, but but like you know, there's there's a prayer that included Bill Cosby's name in it, which I thought was sort of, I mean, it, like that reading through the prayers, like pop culture does seem to kind of make its way into prayers occasionally, um, but but uh, but in this particular one, Bill Cosby, you know, was was mentioned as America's number one dad. You know, so hindsight's twenty twenty, right? Like, but, 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 but I, I, I'd love, I'd love for for you just to kind of maybe talk about that and maybe some other like references of like pop culture that that you thought was was interesting. Yeah, thank you so much for bringing that up. And actually, when I when I came across that, you know, even if you discount everything we know now, even if you turn the clock back, what four, when four <laughs> or five years, you know, like when he was still when he was pure, you know, when he was a great guy, mm-hmm. even then hearing him cited uh, by a rabbi is still kind of jarring. You know, it's like, where did, where did this come from, this reference? You're right. I mean, it is very much, if you cite pop culture, maybe it'll have a lot, you know, maybe it'll it'll be, a, 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 the connection will be better for people. Um, I, the chaplains now frequently cite um, things or personalities in the news. I've heard uh, the chaplains mention sports figures um, who have, won championships and so on. So it definitely is a way to try to connect better. Now, in this case of Bill Cosby, it's unfortunate for, and this rabbi from Evanston, Illinois, who gave the prayer is an ultra-Orthodox, ultra-religious uh, rabbi. And he he was just the purest. He Bill Cosby spoke, I think, in Northwestern, I believe, University, and gave the commencement. and gave a great commencement speech, and Bill Cosby gave great commencement speeches. And this rabbi was struck by it and related. So the purest of intentions. Um, but now it, now it just, it's, it really stands out. And it just shows if you, you know, prayers that stick to God have a longer shelf life. Uh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens, unfortunately. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. Now what, what, what religion I guess has the least amount of prayers? Do you, do you know that? Yeah. You know, that's, that's a really good question because somebody asked me um, uh, to rabbi like are Jews number two, and it's so funny because even though I wrote a book about rabbis praying in Congress, the number of rabbis praying in Congress is so tiny. I mean, 
I blew it up because I was just really interested in this narrow world. But but it's still it's a, a tiny fraction of all the prayers are Jewish prayers. Okay, so let's narrow it even further. Um, there have been um, Hindu uh, minister. I, I don't get the word wrong, but Hindu prayers. Uh, there have been Buddhist prayers. The Dalai Lama has prayed in, in the Senate. Um, there have been uh, imams uh, pray. Um, and going back to the Jewish tradition, there have been uh, non-rabbis who have invoked Jewish uh, scripture, Hebrew scripture, uh, biblical uh, Hebrew Bible into their prayers. Um, now, so a couple things on this. For me, just to take a step back, I love seeing all these different religions represented, even though it's tiny. For this reason, it shows that that we are a nation made up of many religions. Um, it's very important, even though I've, I've said this at the beginning, I said this at the beginning, I keep on saying this, my book is not a church-state argument, but there are people who argue the Establishment Clause, who say, well, Congress prays every day, therefore we have an established religion, and that's, that's bad. But I would respond, I just say this historically, that the fact that there have been over 400 rabbis who have prayed as Jews in Congress on its face shows that there is no established religion because otherwise how would you have non-Christians pray in Congress? So the book itself is an argument against there being an established religion. Uh, now you can argue whether there should be, I mean, again, you can take this argument further, should there be an established religion and so on. But the fact that there have been non-Christians who have prayed, even if in insignificant numbers, um, just shows that uh, for me, it, it, it's, it's an example. It's a way to show the diversity of religions in America. That's amazing. Yeah. So, have, were there ever any Wiccan prayers? Or no, you like know what? Secular humanist, or like what's the, I guess what's the smallest religion? Or <laughs> that's 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 actually a really seriously good question. Um, there, and I say this because uh, atheist groups have challenged this practice of the prayer in Congress, and they have, they have challenged it on those grounds. Like, why can't we have? a prayer that doesn't invoke the almighty just to, why in other words like okay why whether or not there has to be prayer at all why can't we have a secular message that's not invoking god or not invoking religion um and they've they've challenged that the supreme court has ruled several times that supports supports congress and supports legislative bodies and city councils uh, opening with a prayer. So this tradition rooted in congressional history is, has been backed by the court. So it is judicially, it's sound. Um, and, you know, so then you have prayer that open, not just Congress, but open uh, national political party conventions. Every session opens with a prayer. The, the inaugurations, president inaugurations, is always multiple religions who are represented giving prayers. So in the big picture, you know, this is the practice has been supported now. So going to your question of what's the smallest I've seen, I've seen the parliamentarian uh, give a prayer because the chaplain wasn't there on time, you know, couldn't show up. <laughs> and they actually have a prayer on the rostrum there for that very reason. Break in case of emergency, break class and read this prayer. Like, you know, if somebody gets caught in traffic. So they do have a prayer that, that I've seen the, the assistant parliamentarian read. Um, it, it's a generic you know, non-offensive, whatever, you know, if you want to use that term for kind of prayer. 
but yeah, no, it, it can get pretty narrow there. Now, again, taking your question seriously, and I do. I've not. I Wiccan. I don't recall. I don't think there has been that. Um, we probably would have heard that. But but when 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 Muslims pray, you know, you do get the uproar about that and the anger about that and stirring it up. So yeah, the narrower you get, you know, just it, it, the more, you know. I tell you this: when the first rabbi prayed, that was in 1860, and the first, and his name was Rabbi Morris Raphael, and he showed up. Nobody knew what to make of this. He just looked like nothing else. <laughs> he wore his tallest, his, you know, his prayer, prayer shawl, wore the yarmulke. The New York Times made fun of him. Uh, they didn't know how to, they described him. He looked at this Jew and his canonical, as they called it. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's a very, and, That's and unbelievable. Of, yeah, members of Congress were <laughs> tittering about this and, oh, look at that. So, you know, and, and that shock has worn off. Uh, but the first time for anything, you know, it's just, it just uh, the human nature is a shock to the system. So that was the first one, eighteen sixty. What? Why? Why does Congress even have chaplains? Like I guess in the first place. Well, so they do a couple. Let's talk what they do. Um, mm-hmm. the, the, so the most public thing that the House that the, the uh, Congress chaplains do is the prayer, but that's only part of their duties. They minister to members of Congress personally if they're going through grief. Uh, they speak at funerals. If if members of Congress are having a tough time um, with a, a looming big vote, I came in my research. I came across history of uh, members of Congress in anguish over civil rights legislation, a great society, or Vietnam. These huge sweeping issues that faced America, and part of their getting together was just seeking out the minister um, for um, uh, for guidance. You know, uh, the chaplain for guidance. They also have presided over weddings. Uh, um, um, uh, Senate Majority, uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell got married in the. Uh, there's a chapel right off the, the floor, and I, mm. I think the House, the Senate chaplain, was part of that ceremony. So only Mitch McConnell would get married by by the Senate <laughs> chaplain, but uh, that was part of that. So they do a lot of things um, that are in addition to the prayer. Prayer is the most public, but again, this is a position. Is the first thing Congress did was create this position. So it goes back, you know, from the very beginning. Wow. That, ha, have any members of Congress ever delivered the prayer? Yes, 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 they have. Um, uh, uh, not many times, uh, but I will tell you, the, the one that's coming to mind right now is a, it was a controversial prayer that was actually delivered. Um, uh, Congressman Emanuel Cleaver, uh, who is an ordained minister from Missouri, gave the opening prayer at the first session of this current Congress. And he, um, I, I can't recall, but he, uh, he uh, um, included a lot of mentions of gods of different religions, including one, and I'm going to stumble, uh, a term called Brahma, uh, if I have it right, I think, uh, that angered a lot of people. And I can't recall why that angered people. But then he ended his prayer, Emmanuel Cleaver, by saying, a man and a woman, um, and you know, this is after many women got elected, which created a huge kerfuffle mm. because you know it's it, you know that's not the prayer. The prayer is not a man and a woman. The prayer is amen. You know, it's a Hebrew <laughs> word. It's got nothing to do with gender. He created that uh, probably to be sly and to you know make a pun out of it, but that created uh, a lot of. I remember that. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. That. Uh, <laughs> I mean, in were fact, you like, I can't believe that the prayer is becoming this controversial? Were you like, this is crazy? 
Well, for those of us who are in the prayer and Congress business, it was heady days. But no, no, it was just a lot of people. And I remember that prayer. And this again was back in January, the amen and a woman, because it, it got to the level, you know, Fox News got all over it. And, <laughs> you know, they you know, wouldn't let go. And Donald Trump Jr. talked about it for <laughs> three minutes at a rally and said, Look at what we've become in society. So, like, it it generated its own numerous uh, news cycles there of acrimony. Um, so you know, funny. whether or not he should have said it, I'll leave that to you guys, the experts uh, in this. But uh, yeah, that was an example of just like one prayer moment blowing up into you know jumping over to the, the greater greater political uh, conversation. Yeah do do you uh, do you have a favorite prayer out of all the ones that you've read? You know what? Um, I, I'll tell you what I. For me, the prayers that I love are the prayers that teach about their moment in time. Um, you know, a lot of rabbi, my my research, a lot of rabbis prayed during the time of the Vietnam War um, in the 60s. Uh, it was almost like the golden age for, for rabbis praying in Congress. And, and I love the history there because I love seeing how the rhetoric changed. You know, the very beginning of the 60s, like America, we embraced the war. You know, so the language of the prayer said, Let's you know, support our boys fighting overseas. And they used terms like against the communist aggressors. I mean, it was it was pretty strong language. But then the early 70s, as American attitudes about the war changed, uh, then rabbis and their prayers used language like it's time to bring everybody home and address all the needs at home of, you know, welfare and helping people. So you can really it, some prayers I like are those that really tell the story of America um, mm-hmm. through the messaging. My favorite personal anecdote, though, um, I'll share. Um, part of my ex- part of my uh, research, I put all the rabbi prayers I could find on video on YouTube, and I created a playlist of every rabbi prayer that exists on video, going back to the earliest one I could find was 1985. So there's about 220 rabbi prayers uh, on video and on a playlist I created on YouTube. Now I did this mechanically. I did this as part of the research so I could go back and examine. You know, what no what they said, but like just body language and what, you know, who introduced them, just like kind of get a feel. So I did this like in a very mechanical, unfeeling kind of way. Um, a couple months ago, um, I got a uh, I got a message, uh, an email from a family. And the family is uh, was of a rabbi uh, who, who had died, but he had prayed in Congress. And this is the rabbi of um, Rabbi Maurice Lyons of St. Louis, Missouri, gave the Senate prayer in 1994. It was always one of my favorite prayers because it, it, he, he, um, he, I'm going to be a little scriptural here, but he mm-hmm. invoked the priestly blessing, which is in numbers where you raise your hands over the congregation. Uh, may the Lord shine his countenance upon you and grant you peace. Uh, it's in the book of numbers, the oldest prayer in the Torah, uh, in the Bible. And he said this over the Senate. He said it in Hebrew, and it's just, I've always struck this just really, really cool, interesting moment. I got a message out of the blue from the family of Rabbi Maurice Lyon saying they had, that they were marking the anniversary of his death. Uh, in, in the Jewish tradition, the anniversary is called a yard site. And a yard site is just like you light a candle, you say a prayer, the Kaddish prayer, or the mourner's prayer for him. And in searching for his name in Google, they came across this prayer that I had posted. And they never knew that he had ever prayed in Congress. Hmm. And the grandkids had never heard his voice before. 
Um, so they were sending me a note saying, this is absolutely amazing to have this on YouTube. I just came across this. And I said, it's even more amazing for me to make your personal connection because I, I never thought that this would you know, result in this kind of family joy, you know, just like an uplifting mm-hmm. moment. And it was, it was a really cool, you know, my research met their personal needs and they, you know, his prayer lives on forever. Now his whole family can enjoy the prayer. So I had, I had not anticipated making that connection. Uh, but it was a really, really remarkable moment for that. That's awesome. I can imagine that was a very significant for you and their family uh, to make that connection. You know, um, so you have the chaplains. Are, have there been non-Christian chaplains? Good question. Here's where it gets fun. Uh, the answer is no, uh, there have not been. They've only been Christian. Um, then, but okay, now I'm going to get into the area where I'm not an expert. Then you have the Catholics demanding they want more Catholics. There have only been two Catholic um, uh, uh, official chaplains. Um, the current two chaplains, uh, so again, the House and the Senate both have chaplains. And the Senate is, is chaplain, is Dr. Barry Black. Barry Black is a Seventh-day Adventist. Uh, in the house, she's brand new. The chaplain is Margaret Kibben, a Presbyterian. Um, so now what's unique about them, we have for the first time a black chaplain and a woman chaplain serving officially at the same time. Both are from the Navy. Both are retired admirals uh, in the Navy serving out their duties. Um, so it's actually, it's a really, in that perspective, um, it's a really interesting moment just within the broader Christian world. Um, no non-Christians. Um, I will tell you that as part of my research, I came across rabbis who want to be uh, and have actually uh, lobbied or, uh, you know, when there are rare openings, it's, it's, a, it's a big thing in the religious world to be considered for that. So I've had rabbis tell me that they wanted to be considered for being the official chaplain. So it's like a big deal to be a guest chaplain giving a prayer and, you know, jockeying and working their local members and so on. But the biggest win of all would be the, be the official chaplain. So that's like, you know, so no, so no, no non-Christians have ever been the official chaplain, but there are many who want to be considered for that. So, so, so the, like the, the, the job of chaplain, I mean, is that like you go in USA jobs and apply for it, you know, and if you're a veteran, you get like a 10 point preference or <laughs> like, like, how does that, how does, how does that work? <laughs> Well, that's actually pretty, you know what, it's um, the current ones are, um, so uh, um, Margaret Kibben, the current house chaplain, she was very well known from her military experience. She was a chaplain in the Navy, a chaplain in the Marines. Um, so in, in those circles, you know, these are not unknown people in the, um, in the religious community. Um, ultimately, though, it's the house speaker. Uh, it's the chambers themselves who select mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, for instance, the, um, the prior chaplain, Father Conroy, a Catholic, um, could have been fired by the former, by Nancy Pelosi or, you know, her predecessor, Paul Ryan and so on. Um, they don't always see eye to eye, the speaker and the house chaplain. Um, but, um, uh, but they are selected now. Typically I've tried most of them have been in some way connected to the Washington area, uh, or just like religious institutions are, are, are well known, uh, but again, these vacancies aren't open. But I'll tell you, the interesting jockeying is still for um, for the guest chaplains. Um, so when I, so again, we're talking about the, the two official chaplains, but then we're talking about the fill-ins. Um, now those people are selected 
typically are sponsored by their local member of Congress. So the question I get this a lot from rabbis, how can I, rabbi, be a guest chaplain? I mean, there's no, they're not being shy about it. I want to be in front of Congress and pray. And the, the short answer is you really, it's, it's they're sponsored by the local member. They're sponsored by the senator. Uh, not because they have money and are donors, but they are just established members of the community, you know, just are well-known or the member of Congress has worked with them on, you know, charitable institutions and, and they're known. Um, and th- so then the chaplain, the guest chaplain, he or she comes to Washington, typically brings the family, family sits up in the, cha- in the chamber, in the gallery, he or she gives the prayer. They take a picture afterwards uh, with the <laughs> official chaplain and with the sponsoring member of Congress. And then they all post about it on Facebook and, and Instagram <laughs> and, uh, and celebrate for the day. So, yeah, so, so, so like in theory, um, if, if the GOP overtakes the house, which ostensibly they probably will, like they could, they could just pick Trump to be the, the house chaplain or is, or are there like credentials? <laughs> well, that's okay. So, um, uh, they could, <laughs> um, uh, so you were talking about like in the Supreme Court, you don't have to be a lawyer and, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, you in the house, be a house speaker, you don't have to be a member of the house. It probably mm-hmm. helps, but you know, you don't have to. <laughs> I, I would, I would say without being this a pro anti-Trump statement that Trump probably does not have the credentials to be the chaplain of, uh, of Congress, <laughs> but, and it's not a Trump, but you know, mm. the skills that you need for that position probably aren't there, <laughs> but, but they could, you know, McCarthy could uh, become a speaker and say, I want Trump to be yeah. the chaplain. <laughs> <laughs> Far be it for me to, to, to uh, <laughs> Hey, you know, 2021 is just, you know, 2022.0, really. So uh, who knows? Uh, so so, so go, going back to like being a being uh, a chaplain. So like if if Josh wanted to give the prayer in front of Congress because he's ordained, he's got all the, the creds and whatnot, like what what would he have to do? Would he have to like start writing as congressman or, um, or what? Actually, yes. In, 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 in a very rough way. Um, if you, Josh, if you are, I mean, so let's, let's do this. Let's make news here. Let's get you in front of Congress to give a prayer. And today we begin the lobbying campaign. Let's go do that. What you <laughs> let's can, do it. Let's do it. You need, uh, without asking where you are or who's your representative, that just contact who you're, um, uh, I, I imagine Virginia, right? Or, um, yes. Right. Okay. You're Virginia members of Congress, Virginia senators. Um, you have the advantage of, and here's where I, I want to help you out a little bit, my friend. You you have the advantage of because you live presumably kind of close to Washington. Yes. So it's just you know they have what's called pro bono, a pro form, pro bono, pro forma sessions, and a pro forma session is when the house the house this week will come in a couple times a week without voting or legislating anything just to keep the trains running and just to keep Congress, you know, in activity. And even those have prayers open them. So they need huh. local people to come in and do those prayers. Um, it's not always the house chaplain. So, you know, you let your, you contact, here's what you do, my friend, you contact the house chaplain's office and you say, I want to be considered for a house chaplain gig and I'll do the pro, uh, the pro forma session. And at the same time, work your members of Congress and say, I run this podcast uh, I'm, I'm a recognized authority in all this and just start the letter, the letter writing campaign and, and let's mark this from day one. And I want you to be in Congress by day 90. How about that? Day 90. I want you to be giving a prayer in Congress. 
Do it, All Josh. Right. You got me convinced, man. I think I'm going to try to do it. Can, can, we, can we use your name? Like, do you have any street cred? You know, like, yeah. Where's uh, your, what's your street cred level right now? Oh, I, 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 if you say Mortman sent me, that doesn't help at all. You're sent by the Almighty, You're sent by the Almighty not by Mortman. I'll tell you that. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. funny. Yeah. That's so, awesome. so, uh, s- switch, switching gears here a little bit, uh, uh being that you, um, said that you were Jewish. I, I know that the Jewish community is, has been pretty active with uh, the collapse there in Florida with that building and, and whatnot. So do, do, do you happen to, to have any friends, relatives down that way that are affected by it? I don't, uh, but I have been. It's interesting. What, what, uh, yes, I mean, I've been very clued on this just because of the, the, there are like four or five synagogues that are in the affected area. And I mean, it's just absolutely, I mean, I won't go on. We all know how tragic it is. But one of the interesting demographics of of the story is not just the number of Jews who live in that condominium, but these are Jews from Latin American countries, you know, immigrants from the South, from Cuba, from uh, Latin America. And it's, it's you, know, you know, you think of the American Jewish community, you think of New York, or you think of, you know, Ashkenazi, you know, like European uh, immigrants uh, from Eastern Europe. But these are very much like the new edge of immigration. Um, I, I would say, actually, it's kind of interesting. The, uh, some of my guest chaplain rabbis in the book are from, from Mexico, are rabbis who were born in Cuba, Argentina. So it actually really does reflect some of the immigration patterns. So just, it's, I mean, of all the many levels of just tragedy, just the demographics alone are really interesting just to see that. So, you know, I have one uh, last question um, from me. And so over the years, reading all these uh, prayers and meeting all these different chaplains or at times or seeing them and knowing their story and everything, what do you think is the greatest lesson that you learned in your research and in your experience? Like life lesson. You know, I, I tell you, um, I'm going to go two different directions here. The life, I'm mean, two different lessons. One is the, the book itself is a true passion project. It's, it's, I've created a lane of history that, that no one has ever done and no one knew could exist. So it, that for me, that's just like a really neat feeling to, to co- cobble through all these congressional records and create a narrative out of it, create a story. Uh, that no one knew could be there, um, so I, I love that part of it. The other life lesson, just I'm mean, just on the, on, the, on the content side, um, you know. Again, as I've been saying, I don't have a dog in this fight whether or not there should be prayer. But just on a very personal level, I mean, I have two young kids. I learned a lot about America, about our history, about Congress history. This is I, this is very important for me to point out. This is not a Jewish book. I never intended this to be a book for and about Jews. I want this book to be about, for all Americans, to be about congressional history for people who love democracy, who are fascinated by how religion, for better or worse, interplays with our politics. Um, it's a history book. Uh, and I learned a heck of a lot of American history, of Congress history, Jewish history, and, and I just love it, all the non-Jewish history, Christian history that I was not exposed to, that I, just, I feel richer for knowing that. Uh, much more respectful uh, of other people properly in my personal life than I had been. Um, so it's, it's a very humbling experience. 
but again, just learning, you know, this is, this is a book, this is a project for people who just want to learn more about Congress and learn more about America. My entry point are the rabbis because that's a finite number of, and that's an, that's my, my door to get into this. But once you get in there, the world is fascinating. And I will say this, anybody wants to do this kind of work, it's right there. Go through the congressional record. You know, I, there's no way I could ever do this for a non-Jewish, uh, for non-Jewish religion, because I don't know the other religions that well. But if you were an authority on any of the other denominations, it's there just sitting in. You can read your own stories out of this. And it just bring out and show a side of history that nobody knows about, but it's, but it's yearning to be told. Well, I, I, I've, uh, I've never seen a bigger opening, Josh, for you to write the book about Christian prayers. Um, it, it might be like, what, like two or three times the size of the book? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it's, yeah. It'll, you know, it needs its own wing in Library of Congress for a book about Christian prayers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, and you can start, Josh, once you're done giving the prayer, the pro forma session, you know, I mean, that, that'll be your jumping off point. You know, um, and then uh, yes. y- you can include yourself <laughs> yes. as as a in in the book. So there, there, there you go. go. Well, well, um, thank you so much, awesome. Howard. This has been this has been super super informative. Um, you know, yes, I was yes. I was thinking as we were talking. You know, w- what's great about C-SPAN is that just like you said, it it just kind of tells the story as it is with no narrative, no pundits, no anything, and like you know, C-SPAN is good because like I never once heard Trump call C-SPAN fake news, you know? And so it's like, you've managed to avoid the, the, the tweet storm because of C-SPAN coverage. And if there was any metric you could use to determine the, the quality of, of what's happening, like C-SPAN's it, you know, and, and you're, you're instrumental in making sure that people know about C-SPAN and get connected. Yes. And also you're, you're the expert on rabbi prayers in Congress. And we're, we're super happy to have you. And uh, we really appreciate your time. Thank you, guys. A lot of fun. I appreciate your interest. Thank you for watching. Thank you for reading. Thank you for what you're doing. I really appreciate it. And and how how uh, how how can they uh, uh, get a get a copy of the book if if they're interested in reading it? Which I recommend they do. Sure. Uh, The quick and easy way it's straightforward. It's on Amazon. Um, But it's uh, the website is uh, when rabbis when rabbis bless congress dot com when rabbis bless congress dot com. There you can go through and see some prayers. There's video there. Uh, there's tributes from um, from uh, pastors and rabbis. So there's like a lot of different, both promotional and academic things you can do on that site. When rabbis, uh, uh, sorry, rabbi, um, rabbiprisoncongress.com, uh, or just easier, just go to Amazon and find it there. Got it. Okay, cool. Well, uh, thanks again, and uh, yes, thank you so thanks much for all of our listeners and viewers, and we will uh, see you next week.